Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Wise Men Say podcast. Um, yeah, they've let me do this again because Matthew's been a loser and he's still at work. So maybe this is the finally my chance to go mad with power and start that School of Rod, Rock podcast that we talk so much about. Uh, I mean, anyway, sorry. To uh, fill uh, Matthew's hilarious clown shoes is uh, Jimmy Ray. Uh, Jim, happy St. Patrick's Day. Thank you very much. Yeah, um, no, uh, I would be game for a bit of school of rock if uh, if you want to talk about that at the end. I'm happy with that. But um, filling, yeah, filling some some big clown shoes today. I'm so hopefully I can live up to the uh, live up to the hype. But you know, um, all things are good. Um, got a little Guinness on the go as well. Oh, nice. Today, so I was going to yeah. say, do you? Uh, I see you. You're wearing the green there, so that's that's good. Yeah, I have got a green top on as well. It's not not an island top, on, but I am represented still. Um, yeah. Oh, our Irish brethren on their day of uh, on their day of the Saints' Day, I should say. Yes, I saw a very funny tweet before that said that today is just a day of people wearing incredibly tight uh, jeans, forcing down three quarters of a Guinness, and then just going straight to Moretti. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, there's that, and then there's then there's people in town with the, uh, the the big Guinness hats as well. There'll be a lot of that, and. Maybe some bit of leprechaun fancy dress, which um, I mean, I, I personally wouldn't do it, but you know, some people seem to like to do that. Yeah, I um, mean, like I already look like probably more English people out getting pissed than, than actual Irish people today. But that is just another example of the great British culture we all love oh, so much, isn't it? <laughs> oh yeah. And I was uh, I was also in an Irish bar last night in Vienna, and the, one of the great things about uh, Irish bars abroad is just like the random crap that they put on the yeah. walls. <laughs> it's like last night there was. There was like just like weird pictures. There was like a p- big picture of like uh, London phone boxes, and then like then next to like like the um, they always had these like classic like mirrors that have like Guinness yeah. branded. Yeah, 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 oh yeah. There's always that. Yeah. There's always like some old Guinness adverts as well. Um, mm. You know, like the kind of things that you'd see at like a bus stop in the eighties. They've sort of got it on the wall. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the, yeah. the good thing about Irish bars abroad as well is like, and this is the thing I found, um, if ever you need somewhere to watch the footy um, of a weekend, you can always go to the Irish bar and you know they'll have Sky Sports on. That, um, that is... So big up the Irish bars abroad, especially those in European cities, because they are Saturday afternoon godsends for, for people such as myself on, the, on city breaks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, normally when I'm uh, away, I try and avoid all kind of football. But since now I live away, you can't you have to like kind of go to those home comforts of watching dross premier league well games. i mean i was in i was in poland the other week um and i watched Sunderland versus mk dons on my phone for <laughs> the last the last <laughs> afternoon of my lovely city break was spent watching that on my phone um what? in a very nice bar i must add but um it was uh possibly not the uh the best use of my time however um, I just did it because I'm I'm obviously an idiot. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes, you are. Um, well, we've filled a good like five minutes there, so I think we should actually uh, talk about talk about Sunland. Obviously, there's not much, uh, not really much has happened since Saturday. No midweek game and whatnot. But Jim, you haven't been on the pod for a while, and we're actually. We're a bit better now, so your mood must be far more improved than it was the last yeah. time we spoke. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, the last I think yeah the last time I was on was before the sort of the Wigan game, which I think was like a bit of a turning point, if you like, especially 
um, given the results since then. I think that we have definitely improved. I think it, a lot of that is down to probably Neil having a bit more time with the squad um, because we've basically started doing stuff that we've never really done, which is mm. grind out. I mean, I'm not... not I'm fully aware that performances, particularly in the last two home games, haven't necessarily been good given the league position of the opposition. Um, but caveats that are, we won them anyway. Uh, we sort of, grab, you know, people have been saying we can't grind out results without women not playing well, which, which we've done. Uh, also, although these teams clearly aren't very good, they are still fighting to stay in the division. So they, yeah. they're obviously going to do everything they can to stop us scoring. And we, again, have struggled against that. You know, when teams have come to the stadium, like, especially on Tuesday nights, but also on Saturdays and sort of set up really to not concede. There's been a lot of times we, we haven't scored, but again, we did. Even the Charlton game where we didn't score, we did everything but um, and played some great stuff, which which I thought showed a different side to, to Neil's sort of Sunderland because we looked a bit more like a sort of attacking fluid threat, more so than we had against Wigan. Mm-hmm. Um, and also more so than we were able to against Crew and Fleetwood because obviously Charlton um, were more intent on scoring themselves than either Crew or Fleetwood would be. So, yeah, I've, I've just sort of seen quite a bit, quite a bit of improvement. Obviously, there's a long way to go. Um, results from other teams around us have been pretty good. Um, thankfully, Accrington equalised against Sheffield yeah, on Tuesday, which that was stayed in the top six. I think psychologically, that's important. I mean, it wouldn't have been. You know, mathematically, it wouldn't have made a massive amount of difference had we dropped out of there. But I think it's just nice to still be in that top six, especially given yeah. how quickly, it, it, like it was mentioned on Monday's pod, how quickly it's become a, a sort of fight for the autos to a fight for the playoffs. I think it's psychologically yeah. for us, it's good to stay in that top six. Well, let's talk about the uh, the performances, because like even between like people of the wise men say, brethren, there's been a bit of... Uh, like uh, disagreements on stuff like that. Um, the performances of the past two games they haven't been excellent, but we are getting we are getting the results. And my my point of view from this standpoint is I don't particularly care how we play at the moment as long as to now from now to the end of the season I don't really care how we play as long as we win and. I've seen arguments that like um, this kind of this style of football won't, you know, won't last or isn't good for the long term. But I don't think the long term's even relevant at the moment, given the squad and given the amount of time we've got and the situation we find ourselves in. I don't know. What, what do you think? Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I know we're going to come on to this a bit later, but just briefly, uh, Neil did mention on his uh, interview on the Sunderland podcast that he's very much treating the, the, these games of this season as just find a way to win type mm. thing. So he's effectively picking the team based on the opposition. Um, so that's why I guess we are seeing sort of maybe not the best performance, but we are seeing the results because he's making in-game changes that work as well, which is something else that we haven't seen from from previous managers. And like you say, I think really all that matters is results. As Neil said, the only he he's already stated on the on the podcast that he is well aware that the only thing that really matters to fans this season is promotion. Mm. It's not about long-term plans or philosophy. He actually referenced that it wasn't about long-term plans and philosophies at this stage, which I think was refreshing to hear. And he's going to do everything he can to make sure we win as many games as we can, thereby, obviously, with the ultimate goal of going up. Um, I think performances, obviously, because good performances tend to lead to good results. However, I think the caveats at this stage of the season are, like I kind of mentioned before, some of the teams we're playing are going to be either in and around us, therefore they'll be good and we'll want to be us, which may play into our hands, but the other end of the spectrum is your crews and Fleetwoods. They desperately need to stop conceding goals as they have mm. been, so they're going to do everything they can to stop that. I noticed Fleetwood um, again last weekend after they played us, they were 2-0 up at Burton and lost 3-2. So I think that they Not are, right. they do ha- they do kind of have a thing where they will go ahead in games but can't hold on to leads. I think we obviously um, identified a way to change that. I say we, Neil, identified a way to change it. <laughs> it I, nothing to do with us. <laughs> nothing to do with me. Nothing to do with me. We're still at Skyboard. And again, against Crew, I think they, Neil referenced on the podcast that he, the way they set up in previous games, he'd set up to counter that. They obviously did something totally different, which meant that it didn't work initially. But he, again, he yeah, that, it. 
that was pretty funny um, where he was saying that like he'd watched he'd actually been to like 10 yeah. free games <laughs> yeah, and they didn't and, like the ones <laughs> they flooded the midfield and then yeah. they didn't they didn't use the midfield at all in the time they played those weeks i yeah, guess the one, was the one sorry. time we actually he actually can use it they play completely differently and yeah. like the thing is it's like you you're right in that sense because i like i just see these teams down the bottom of the division as just dross but like i remember like times when we're in the Premier League, even when we're in like mid table and we'd play like a team down the bottom, everyone mm-hmm. says, Oh, they're gonna be a bit they're gonna be a bit better because it's like, you know, they're fighting for their lives. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's just my kind of um I don't know, ignorance towards well, we that. did it to the best yeah. teams when we were in the Premier League. Yeah, you know, we when yeah. we pick up towards the end of the season, I look at the famous great escape under Poyet, like when we were beating sort of top four teams at home and you know, going, we went to the Etihad and got a draw when we possibly yeah. should have won, stuff like that. It's like, that would never have happened earlier in the season. And anyone looking at the form from a neutral perspective would say that someone wouldn't get that result. But our performance is kind of like, it necessitated an improvement. And I think that obviously it's a lower level, but there's still going to be that element of these teams at the bottom aren't just going to go, oh, well, it's Sunderland, we'll just give up. Because mm. they need to... They need because when we played crew in the first half of the season, they pretty much did just like well, yeah, they us. were awful. Yeah, yeah. they were, they, but they were. They, I'm not, they weren't necessarily technically better on Saturday, but they were certainly had more of a game plan. They were more organised, and it's no matter what level you play at. That's I mean, look at Man City against Palace on yeah. United. Like they Palace set up to to stop City from scoring, and they did it. Obviously, City are a much better team than we are. Palace are a much better team than the teams that we play, but the principle is the same in that just because you you you're a lot better on paper than the team doesn't mean it's going to be easy to beat them. And I think that with the fact we've found ways to win these games is good. And it's certainly something that I don't necessarily think would have happened under previous managers. Because I think there was, Neil, it does definitely seem to be more pragmatic when it comes to, he's willing to, like like he's, like again, he referenced he's willing to admit if something's not working, he'll change it. He's not wedded to a particular system with us because at the minute it's just trying to find any way to win a game to keep us in the top six and I think you can see that and it is working and I'm all for it personally because like you said um, realistically the performances don't matter the results do at this stage of the season that's a good thing that like although I find it quite funny that we spent um, pretty much the past 18 months of being told about philosophy and long-term plan and all this and now we have a manager in who is quite I mean, maybe he can develop um, like uh, his own playing style next season. Well, he did say he did yeah. say that if he had a preseason, he would do. But there's no point in trying to do that now. Now it's just that would also, be like. The, but he's the fact he recognizes that and is isn't trying to do that, and he is just working with what he's got. I think. I think refreshing. that's the, yeah. That's the main thing. It's like using the tools you've got because once again, like he's walked into something. Although he did. He did like uh, well. What we are referencing is the um, he was on the unfiltered pod with uh, Frankie Frankie Francis and uh, Danny Collins, and he he was meant he did mention something that did make me laugh a bit, where he said that like Lee Johnson didn't leave him a bad like a, a bad squad, mm. and yeah, I don't think Lee Johnson necessarily left him a bad squad. Yeah, somebody but, did. But somebody <laughs> did because. He walked in and there's no defenders and we have and also like players like uh Dan Neal and Callum Doyle are out on their ass because mm-hmm. they've been just racked. Thurkin, yeah. Thurkin as well. Although like yeah. it's quite it's been quite funny how uh, not like funny, but it's quite quite encouraging that he's just his form has just decided to pick up out of nowhere. Yeah. Really. It, despite, it, is, it is, I think. Uh, sorry, go. Yeah, just, I was just saying, despite being in this bracket of players that have been flogged to death with no backup for the for the best part of like uh, six, seven months. But yeah, I, could be, could be. He's responding to maybe Neil's done some work with him one to one. Maybe the man, mm. management of him from Neil is he's responding to that maybe better than he was to the previous manager's management of him. I don't know. It it, it could even just be that. He has he has been knackered, but he's you yeah. know found it found another gear in it. For I me, think, sorry, yeah, go. I, no, just like, it... I, think, I think Neil's effect is just like one of them where he is he he's inherited obviously a very unbalanced squad, and he's not been shy in and nor should he be shy in sort of saying that. But he's also not used it as an excuse. He's clearly 
putting a lot of effort into 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 maximizing what we can based on who mm. we're playing. And I think because he, you know, it, it's all a good thing. Don't change a winning team. But I think I think like for him, he won't have, and nor should he necessarily try and have a first eleven that he plays no matter what. I think we just need to find a way to win a game. So the what this the team we played against Wigan. And the style we played in was not what was needed against Fleetwood or against yeah. Charlton or against against Crew, and that's why he didn't do that. And yes, the way we started against Fleetwood and Crew was was not good enough. But he, then he changed it mid game, and I think that was to do with the fact that Fleetwood and Crew possibly maybe did things differently to what was to be expected, because obviously they're playing Sunderland away, so they've obviously had to try and come up with something themselves, try and combat what we do. Mm-hmm. So. Um, and there's going to be a lot of that because he's going to come up against varying degree ability wise. In you know, the, as I think it's been mentioned, you know, if you look at the sort of the top six to eight teams in the division, are all pretty good. Below that, it's kind of like a bit of a mixed bag in terms of like there's teams with one or two maybe good players or a good manager, but not really any standout players or a mixture of both. And really, we've just got to try and find ways through it. And and so far, he is obviously it's not going to work every time, but as long as we are playing with the sort of the intensity we've brought, he's brought back some intensity and he's certainly defensively a bit more intelligence in terms of the way we're seeing games out and the way that we're not. I mean, there are still individual mistakes and there's going to be because it getting back to the unbalanced nature of the squad. There are still a lot of young players, but he does, there certainly seems to be a bit more, this you know, but the back seem a bit more switched on. There seems to be a bit more communication. There seems to yeah. be a bit more of a collective rather than a series of individual players who are sort of, playing their own game, but mm-hmm. next to each other, which certainly um, was a regular thing I noticed, especially at the back in the Johnson era, was that it didn't look like they'd been coached really defensively as much as maybe they needed to be. Well, they're, um, defensively, they're a complete mess. Like yeah. by the by the end, I mean, like um, we, were sh- <laughs> we were shipping goals like nobody's business. And in the past few games, we've only conceded like one goal in what, four games now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We scored. What was it? We scored. Well, we scored three against Wigan. We scored three against Fleetwood. Two against Crews. So that's yeah. eight goals scored, one conceded Seeders. in the last four games. And, and it, I mean, you can't really argue with that, can you? Well, that's <laughs> the kind. That's the kind of like um, like results that are gonna get you out of this league. You stop. You keep it tight at the back, and it's like we're gonna be. You know, you're gonna have more. <laughs> it sounds very obvious, but you've got more likelihood of winning if you don't if you stop conceding goals. Well, and, yeah, it's like that saying, isn't it? It's like clean sheets. Was it clean uh, goals win games? Clean sheet win, clean sheets win titles. I think it's mm. some some proper football man from back in the day must have coined <laughs> that one. But uh, I think it do, it does hold true because if you look at Wigan and Rotherham's defensive records, they are both a lot better than ours. And look yeah. at where they are, and but we've scored more goals than both of them. So you know what does that say? <laughs> exactly. Uh, on Neil as well, I mean, again, I just, I think after having all the hyperbole and all the metaphors and all the nonsense that used to come out of Lee Johnson's mouth, it is just refreshing for a manager to just just talk, talk with about no football bull- like a normal, like a yeah, normal person. Like a normal like, person. Not making no- it sound like some kind of futuristic, weird, like, game that, that we need to have explained to us in really complicated yeah. but also quite patronising terms he talks about it in a way that like oh yeah because often with Johnson you'd think and this isn't just Johnson there are other managers who do this as well and it annoys me no matter who does it they talk, like when you listen to them analyse a game it's like they've watched a totally different game to the one that you've watched like famously when we beat Swansea um, in their first season the Prem at home and Brendan Rodgers came out and said how Sunderland fans would have been lucky to have seen a team as as good as Swansea were, it's like they've just lost two 0 I'm pretty sure the Swansea fans wouldn't be happy hearing that. Yeah, either. and it's like that. It's that kind of thing where it's like he's overcomplicating it, or Johnson was sorry, and whereas Neil is very much in the bracket of this is what happened, this is what I did, this is what we should have done, or this is what we did do, and that's why that happened, and that's pretty much all he wants to say. He doesn't strike me as somebody who wants the platform to to elaborate and talk for ages. I'm pretty sure he just wants to be like, this is is an interview. This is what happened. See you later. He does does seem like a a fellow that could talk to death about football. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fans just don't want to, like, the way he talks is just no bullshit. This is why why we're in this position. This is why this is not good. This is why we didn't win this game. This is why we did win this game. Yeah. And he he has that kind of level of, uh, (laughs) it's like, 
it's like confidence in your ability, but also humility at the same time. Exactly. So he doesn't get too high when we win, not too yeah. low when we lose. He's not doing the... He'll the, praise the... and he'll criticise in equal measure. So if somebody doesn't do well, he'll praise them for it. If somebody doesn't do bad, he'll criticise them for it. But he won't hide anything. He won't try and... There's no like spin. You know, like there's no narrative. He's not trying to get like a... And you know he's just like you say he's just literally just saying like this is what happens. Like, well, he's not doing that. Like every time we win, revving up in front of the south stand, giving it all big licks. It's like because we've beat <laughs> we've beaten Plymouth, yeah. and yeah. it's just like <laughs> yeah. yeah. But like I really enjoyed I really enjoyed his chat with Frankie on the the pod, and I'm I advise everyone should go and listen to it because yeah, we really, really it is good. it was quite um, for someone who isn't that like uh, knowledgeable on the inner workings of coaches it's quite it was quite interesting to hear his methods and also I did like the fact that you said like why like he does have a style he likes to develop a style he's not wedded to it if it's not working it's like that's what we've seen at the Fleetwood game and we saw against crew he recognized quite quickly that this wasn't working we need to get a goal here and you know it's 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 being um, forward thinking and also mm-hmm. being active in a game rather than yeah. waiting for I'm like 67 minutes. That something's not worked. And he mentioned yeah. that, I think, briefly on the pod saying that he's not too proud to admit if something hasn't worked, he'll change it. He's not yeah. going to say, well, oh, I had this big idea to play so-and-so in that position and it's not working, but I'm not going to change it because I don't want it to look like I'm wrong. And he mm-hmm. was, like, he, he's not done that. And we have definitely seen that from various managers. I think we've had in the past have definitely not been, they've, they've been too slow to change things. And I've always, that's something that I've thought quite often is that they're not changing this because they don't want it to, they don't want it to look like they got it wrong. Yeah. And I think that he's quite happy to come out and say, yeah, I got it wrong in this year. Or, yeah, this didn't work or whatever, but this is what I did to make it right. And that's, that's what you want. Cause it, it, it's, it is just little things like that that make you think actually this is more the type of fit for a manager that, that we want. Cause I think we're not, a hard fan base to to please really all we want. We don't even, you know, I mean, there's people celebrating slide tackles, I mean, me included, celebrating slide tackles <laughs> and stuff like, you know, it's a cliche, but it's true. And I think just generally, you know, a bit of application, a bit of effort, and also managed to come out and and and, and tell it how it is and and, and recognise that we do know our football as Sunderland yeah. fans. You know, we are, people don't support Sunderland. There's no, we don't have glory supporters. We don't really have armchair fans. We, you know, we people who support Sunderland support Sunderland because they love Sunderland and they know football. And we need, you know, I do, I've not necessarily thought that managers have in the past, we've had in the recent past, certainly have really understood that. Um, and I think that possibly Neil does a bit more and um, I'm all for it, basically. Well, um, I think that's a good enough point to uh, leave it there for this bit. Uh, we'll have a break, and when we come back, we'll discuss Saturday's fixture away at Lincoln City. So, catch you after the break. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to the Wise Men Say preview show. And the lads travel to Sinsel Bank on Saturday or what? It's not. It's not called that anymore. It's called like the train stadium. LNR. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the one. 
Okay, so Lincoln City, they gave us a right old pounding last time we played them, didn't they? Yeah, it was like a performance. It was like fueled by Chris Maguire's dislike for Lee Johnson, I think. It was the the overriding sort of, I think, impetus behind that game, given that he scored all of the goals and did that. um, So maybe that's a good good thing. So he'll be pretty demotivated now that yeah, Lee I just totally don't have another player who hates Alex Neal. Yeah, that, I feel like <laughs> if they do, that's gonna be really annoying. But um, is he yeah. any players that he binned out from like Preston or Norwich that have got an axe to grind against him? So well, we'll soon find out. <laughs> that would be uh, pretty uh, pretty bad. Um, Lincoln are a bit of a funny team. I mean, like after last season, they did really well last season, knocked us out of the playoffs and then lost in the final. And this year they've not been very good. They're down in 18th, 11 wins, 8 draws, and 18 defeats. They're, I mean, they're down in 18th, but there's a big gap between them and the relegation zone. It's like they're on 41 points, likes of Fleetwood, Wimbledon, and Gillingham, who are directly below them. They're all on 33. So I think they can kind of... Essentially, it looks like their season's pretty much over, barring yeah. some kind of massive disaster or massive upturn in form from the the teams below them. But in recent weeks, they have, um, I mean, they've lost a lot of games. They've lost to like the likes of Doncaster, Gillingham at home, but they have, they did beat Sheffield Wednesday a few weeks ago. So it's not going to be easy, this one. Um, no, just looking and, at the stats here, they've yeah. actually lost, they've lost more games at home than they have away. This season That's so far, which is probably quite unusual. And yeah, I think they other than that, I think they've basically definition of like lower mid table team, I think really mm. aren't they? They're not they're not, like you say, in danger of going down particularly. Um, and they sort of seem to be able to pull out the odd result against a big team. I mean, they lost two one to Rotherham. On yeah, they gave them a good game by the sound. Yeah, I was gonna say well. it looks like they did, looking at the timings, the goals and the stats mm. and stuff. I think it, it certainly wasn't easy. That last season, they had uh, Brennan Johnson on loan, who's now um, starts for Forest, who had loaned him to Lincoln last season. He's yeah. really good. Clearly, he was too good for the league last season. So, I think he was him and a couple of others as well they had, who I think possibly Your, made them. Jorge uh, Grant. Oh, who's, yeah. Who oh, was that? Like, yeah. Was it Tyler Walker, the out up front? He was. He was uh, yeah, he good. was from Stoke. And then there was yeah. Brennan Johnson. And then there was, uh, yeah, Jorge Grant, who's now at Peterborough, I think. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I, basically, I, I think that they've possibly regressed to where you'd expect Lincoln to be. Yeah, if that makes sense. Like, I mean, not you forget to, not, nothing against Lincoln, but they're not. That but was the only more of a surprise they got in the playoffs last season, I would say, than it is that they're now mid-table. Yeah, and the only season. correct me if I'm wrong, but they only came up two seasons ago. Is that right? I'm not. Yeah, no, no, I think no, they no, came up the wrong. same season we went down under the Cowleys because we had that game where we played them away. Oh no! Sorry, it was the season. It was the second season. Second we season. It was yeah, not long so. before. Not long before uh, Ross was sacked. I think we yeah. lost away at Lincoln, didn't we? Yeah, that's very true. Um, I I see this game as, despite Lincoln's like um, recent poor form and where they are in the table, I see this game as a pretty big one in terms of how, in terms of measuring how we how we're doing under Alex Neal because. Um, like the Wigan, like the, the other games we've had away from home against AFC Wimbledon was awful, um, but against Charlton we played really well and should have should have really won that game. And I think if you can go to uh, Lincoln, professional two three nil job, I think that will will you know keep this momentum building to go into the playoffs. Well, hopefully go into the playoffs with you know on a good run of form, which we don't usually do. Definitely. I mean, I'm, go- I'm going on Saturday. Yeah. Um, I've not been to Lincoln before, so I'm quite looking forward Ooh, to Oh, you're, you're in for a treat. Yeah. It's a very I nice hope they, um, I hope they still play the air raid siren on the thick corners as well. Yeah, they could do. It's incredibly tin-pop, but also something that I really do want to see in the flesh at the same time. So let's hope they do. They have uh, um, they have ultras as well. Like they have oh, Lincoln, oh, great. Lincoln, Lincoln ultras. Oh, wow. Well, I mean, yeah. I suppose they've got, probably got quite a big catchment area, haven't they? There's not many other teams in Lincoln. Lincoln no. For Scunthorpe, I think. So it must be uh, all the hard lads of the, uh, <laughs> the, 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 the lower east of England are there. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I think I think they're one of those teams, like you say, it's not necessarily, I don't think it's going to be easy because they do seem to raise their game against the better sides. If you look at their results, 
it tends to be the the teams in and around them that they they're not they don't really do that well against versus mm. the team. Whereas a beating Wednesday, playing decent at Rotherham stuff like that, so we should win. I think beat, we will beat Wigan, beat us. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. But it's not going to be like a rock. We're not going to be able to start with the attitude that we had against Fleetwood and crew among the players. I mean, whereby it's like we've got to turn up and we'll beat these. It's, yeah, it's not. It's not going to be one of that. I think it's going to be quite so. You remember when we played Cambridge earlier in the season? I think we've possibly yeah, quite yeah. to that game. Yeah. In terms of like ability, uh, Shrewsbury as well. Hopefully, it doesn't go the way the Shrewsbury game did. But I mean, in terms of like that type of team. So yeah. if we can get a sort of like you say a professional sort of no frills um, away win, couple of you know one two nil two one one whatever it is, um, it. I think that'll say a lot about how we've progressed as a team because um, it would also keep the run going, like you say, of, of wins. And it would almost certainly move us up at least one place in the table, um, looking at looking at where, you know, who everybody else has got as well. So. Yeah, and we look at, I'm looking at the fixtures for this weekend. And the thing is, it's like the teams around us have... Mm, I'd say very winnable games. It's like Gilling, uh, sorry, Sheffield Wednesday are away at Gillingham, and Gillingham have been on a bit of a. That's a tough place to go. I mean, they, Neil Harris come in they, yeah. uh, not, not long ago, and he's improved. I mean, but even when we went there, I went to that game. It was in October, I think, and yeah. we won by by that goal when Tom Flanagan uh, headed mm. the post, and oh, yeah. um, Hoffman made that incredible save that I've mm. never seen anybody twist their body around in the air like he did for that, but. Um, that wasn't an easy game, so I don't think it'll be. I mean, look at the table. We think, yeah, Wednesday will win that, but I, I don't think that's an easy game for them. Yeah, but I would not... fully expect them to win it. Still, we we because we have we can't think. Oh, they might lose. It's best just to think they're probably going to win. If we if, if we just win our games, but it's also yeah. like you got because now that the teams have games in hand and whatnot. Say like Plymouth as well. Plymouth are at home to. Accrington. I know Accrington got did us a favour and got a point. Might need another favour off them at this. Yeah. Point. But, Shrewsbury away at Rotherham. I mean, I know Rotherham aren't, um, I know we're not going to catch Rotherham, but I think, I just think in general, looking at the teams above us, that's, you know, it, psychologically just for the, the top six in general, um, we still need to keep an eye on what Rotherham are doing. Same with Wigan as well. Um, I also, just yeah, I also think like uh, Wickham, Wickham, like Wickham last, scored in the last minute against Fleetwood. I mean, I'm not sure if the, I mean, the, they're always there and thereabouts, aren't they? So, but they're away at Portsmouth. That's going to be that's that that's a big that's in the context of of the league. That's that's a big game. Mm. That's possibly the two the, the two teams closest to each other in terms of like oh, that's about Oxford Ipswich is a bit like that as well. Where where you yeah. probably want a draw in both of those games. I think. Um, I mean, look at it was it was Plymouth Pompey on Tuesday, wasn't it? Plymouth yeah. won. One nil, which I, you know was quite annoying. But, but the the thing is, if you win our games, it takes us to. If we win our games, we'll be fine. Yeah. We've also got some of these teams to play. We've got Oxford to play, Plymouth to play. Mm. Um, so obviously, it, we have to keep an eye on these other fixtures. But we're not at the stage yet where we need other teams to no. use as such. I think match because because in the one way it feels like we're really close to the end. But if you look, there's actually still eight games left, which is, you know. An eight-game run of wins is a big run of wins for anyone to put together. See, <laughs> so yeah. think about it. It's like it's it, it's it's not really like that close, but at the same time, we you don't want to lose momentum at this time because then you've got to try and build it up again. Yeah. It's more like you don't want to necessarily peak yet. And if you look at some of these other teams, they have been on quite big runs of well, not losing and or winning. Which I'm not. Look at um, sort of. Oxford uh, Wednesday, they're in really good form, and mm. you just think, well, is that going to last till the end? Well, that's what happened with us last season. We peaked yeah. too soon, didn't we? And then we collapsed with eight. Well, around this time, around this time last year. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was. It was. It was those two Blackpool games, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, um, we played Blackpool home and away in the space of a couple of weeks, and drew one last the other, and that basically did that, for us. Really, that knacked it. Uh, right, so let's. Let's have a think about the uh, the team on Saturday. Again, it's a bit hard to predict what Alex Neil uh, is going to pick because uh, it always seems to be something different every week. Um, but I imagine Patterson will stick in goal, and then <laughs> then it's anyone's guess. I imagine Bailey Wright will keep his place. At yeah, Bath's not fit yet, still is he? So no, I imagine I, it'll be the same. It, Maybe Jamali back in. I well, know. I don't. Um, 
either him or maybe we could see a return of uh, Cal Doyle, Doyle which yeah. would be quite uh, good. And I'm hoping, like, I'm hoping Doyle comes back with the same kind of uh, bit between his teeth that uh, Dan Neal has of uh, last week. And I thought it was. I think you will. I mean, I think the only issue with Doyle, it wasn't like he suddenly regressed stability wise over the course of the season. He'd just been way, way. I mean, what? He's yeah. 17, he's 17 turned 18 this season. He was basically being asked to fulfill the role of a senior centre back at the club. And yeah. that's. That took its toll, as, as it obviously would have done. So how we all saw that and certain other people didn't is beyond me. But still, um, the rest hopefully will have done him good. So um, if he comes back in great, I wouldn't be averse to having Jamali in there because I do think he does have a nice sort of physical presence, but also he's good on the ball. I know Doyle does as well, but Jamali's got that bit extra experience and is a bit more physical. Um, Lincoln have that massive striker there, Tom Hopper, don't they? He's got a bit of a beer belly, looks like your classic sort of <laughs> League One, League Two centre forward. He just basically comes on. Yeah, he, he, they bring him on to throw his weight around and he is a bit of a tank. So it's, uh, you know, I think the world, if he comes on, the world just be pumping balls up to him. So we need, we need to be able to deal with that. Bailey Wright's quite good at dealing with people like that normally. So hopefully he, he'll keep that going. Yeah, so ideally... I mean, I prefer when they play a back three. So if we do have three fit centre-backs, well, maybe Winchester, probably, yes, Winchester, or even um, 09. I don't know if um, Neil's open to the idea of playing uh, 09 at centre-back, which um, worked okay for a bit last season. Yeah, yeah, it did. I think I think it did it against... It was weird. It wasn't even like necessarily against the better teams where we had bad games. It was just... He, because it's not his natural position, it just sometimes just look. He looked like a fish out of water, but other times he was absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. So, um, and he is quite physical as well. He, you know, I, I think that is one thing that certainly we've seen even just in the couple of games he, since he's been back. He does. He, he's a very, you know, he he brings the tenacity, like the way to get on the end of that that ball for the, the goal against Fleetwood, and just just generally he does bring a bit more oomph, if you like, to to the team wherever he plays. But I'd rather he was doing that in midfield. I think. Yeah, the minute just because I I do think that when you play Corey Evans, you do need somebody who's gonna do a bit. If well, well, let's uh, let's get on to that because like Neil Neil said, the reason why he played both um, Evans and Matete in the midfield against Crew was because Crew always plays through the middle, and then they didn't. Um, So I would advocate uh, taking Evans out the team because he has been. Um, bad for quite a He's while. He's the worst of the midfielders, I would, yeah. I would say. I mean, Matete is um, obviously he's young and he does give that he does have a tendency to sometimes overrun the ball, give it away occasionally. But the amount of work he gets through in a game, yeah, and some of the touches as well. Like he's a really good player already, and he's going just going to get better. And yeah, I don't. He does no way deserves to be dropped. And I think that he he looks like he's got a bit going forwards as well. I wouldn't be surprised if you know he he. Maybe back end of this season, certainly going into the next, if he doesn't notch a few goals, because I, I just think that he he's the type of combative, all action, but technically good midfielder we've needed for quite a while. So I want him to keep his place. Mm-hmm. So yeah, drop Evans. I mean Evans, <laughs> you know there is a role for him, but I'm just really disappointed. And I mentioned this last time I was on the pod by the, the his seeming seeming lack of leadership, and you know he's a senior yeah. player in the squad, he's an international player, and. I just wanted so much more from him and it's really annoying. Like he annoys me with his laugh. And not to say he has to be screaming and shouting and pointing, blah, blah, but I just think that even his performances aren't, you know, sometimes he's okay and sometimes he does the good things, you know, but it's is it really enough at League One level? Yeah. Is that is that really the sum total of what he can offer the club? Because surely he should be wanting more from himself. Yeah. Than what he's given us. So uh, so we've got Matete in midfield alongside either, or maybe 09, maybe Winchester, maybe somebody else. Dan Neal. Um, Dan Neal, yeah, maybe. Um, that'd be actually quite good, actually, if we had Matete. I think he does it. I think, cause, cause, yeah, because he had a good impact against Crew, but I think, obviously, he's, he, he has been good from the start in games earlier in the season before he got absolutely flogged to, you know, having to rest him. So I think yeah. start him. Um, and then, because obviously there's no Pritchard either, so Neil adds a bit of creativity from deeper. Because we, obviously we lose a bit of creative creativity from further forwards in the number ten with the lack of Pritchard. Because Embleton 
can do it, but he doesn't seem to do it consistently, which is the issue that mm, I have. No. Um, and if we're going up top, I personally, I maybe whether might be another chance to have uh, Jack Clark and Roberts having a go after their either kind side of, of, either side of Stewart. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, I still I wonder whether Roberts is fit enough to start a game there. I don't know. I mean, he started against Fleetwood, but then he had to be brought yeah. off. Like yeah. uh, he looked, good. yeah, he he was not good against Fleetwood, but he, when he came on against Crew, he did. He looked like he had more energy. I don't know. It's weird. I I, mm. I just think he's a bit. It's well, it's it's a hard one for us on the outside to know because we're not seeing what he's like in training. I just wonder if he's. I don't think he's as there as Clark is. I also wouldn't be averse to Diakou playing because I thought Diakou had a really good. He impact. was he was good when he came, um, as he often is. Mm. He, his issue, I think, is because of his. Um, I mean, I think I think with Diakou, people actually forget how young he is as well. He's the same age yeah. circuit, isn't he? Mm-hmm. And I think he's not had a lot of first team football, and I think he is. He struggles, I think, with it with having the overload. You know, the sort of the more te- the more tactical overarching view that you have to have. If you look at like Gooch is really good at, if you tell Gooch you have to perform a specific role, he'll do that. Whereas I think with Diakio, it's like you have to just let him do what he's naturally good at, which is stretching play, taking people on, trying to create chances. When when he's asked to do a bit more technical, I don't mean more tactical than technical actually stuff is where it falls down. So maybe Diakio not to start, I've just contradicted myself. After all. I was <laughs> going to say starting, but I'm actually thinking actually maybe not. Right. Um, I would like to see I would like to see him feature, but maybe actually from the bench. From the bench, and, yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe even Gooch. I mean, Gooch, I know Gooch wasn't great against Crew, but the issue I have, if you look at the stats, um, it, it seems to be when Gooch plays, we do get better results. And Gooch still does have really good numbers in terms of creating chances and stuff. And we can't ignore that. Although it is really hard to ignore it when he plays as badly as he, as he can yeah. do and has them at times this season as well. I mean, that just leaves, uh, well, obviously, Stuart up front. And I'd like, um, a listener, like, Ander Grimm uh, tweeted us, um, asking, I mean, this is pertinent to Saturday, um, is what do we, where do we see Jermaine Defoe's role in the team for the rest of the season? And, and my uh, suggestion would be from the bench, because yeah. the games he started... <laughs> not really got into them whereas when he has come on from the bench Fleetwood being the prime example he really impacted the game in a positive way um and yeah I I don't I'm not seeing this kind of Defoe Stewart partnership I don't think it's really worked no so far. I agree I think I think like um as was sort of mentioned I think Gareth and Steve both said it on Monday I'd be amazed if Defoe doesn't have a positive impact at some point in terms of a goal or, or a few goals between now and the end of the season. However, I also don't think, I agree with you, I don't think starting him is the way to go. I think it's an impact player off the, you know, off the bench. I think, I think my main thought when we signed him was this will be great when, if we need a goal with like 15, 20 minutes to go, Defoe coming out. So just the, the very fact Defoe's warming up, you know, it's going to get, Anticipation going in in the crowd, but also if you're an opposition player, you think, "Oh bloody hell!" Like, yeah, you know, this is one of England's best strikers of the last twenty years is going to come on, like not just like League One level, but you know, actual England, the Premier League, like you know, a guy with severe pedigree is going to come on. So that that is more how I imagine it rather than starting games because, like you say, it just doesn't seem to work. Stewart prefers to play on his own anyway, I think, up front. And it kind of worked with Broadhead, but Broadhead obviously is a lot more mobile than Defoe yeah. uh, is, is able to be. We also do have Broadhead as well, actually, to factor in depending on how fit yeah. he is. But for, speaking about Defoe, I think impact off the bench um, is probably what he would have expected to have anyway, realistically, and what I would go for with him. He will contribute. Um, I'd be I'd be amazed if he doesn't score at least two or three goals between now and the end of the season, uh, even before the playoffs. But that's not going to be starting him because it, no. it it kind of limits the way we can play. Hmm. All right then. So, would you like some more listener questions? Yeah, go for it. Right. Okay. Robert Grimwood. He uh, he writes in, which is our best formation? Four four two, four four three, four three three, three five two. Three, four, two, one, and does anyone care? Well, Robert, I'll field that one. You've written into the wrong podcast. You need to write into like 
boring tactics podcast or something. And yes, I don't care because they are just a collection of numbers and I don't actually pay that much attention to the yeah. game. And just to, just to elaborate on that, I think um, I'm going to take the Alex Neal line and say that it varies depending on who we're playing. I, I think that, that is a thing <laughs> yeah. that matters anyway. But I think you know, our best formation depends on who we're playing at this at this point in time. It would be great to have like a system that is overarching among everything. But realistically, in football in general, there's not that many teams even in the Prem who can get away with doing that. So I think that it, it does vary based on who you're playing. Uh, for me, I think we obviously have gone with width, hence why we've signed so many winners. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean I think we always have to go with like a 4-3-3 because sometimes I do think if Stewart and Broadhead can work well up top in a two. But yeah, overall, I would say that they are just to collect some numbers and it depends who we're playing. Well, there you are, Robert. You got both a dismissive answer and then an actual answer. So that was good. Um, okay, uh, what else we got? A uh, friend of the pod, James Copley, uh, journalist at the Sunland Echo. Would you rather have 100 Pantillimon-sized Jacarinis or 100 Jacarini-sized Pantillimons? He's not actually um, added in what what I need them for. but uh, That does, that, that would, that you know, that is kind of important as well. Like, yeah. is, I, I would think, say yeah. a Pantillimon side, Pantillimon's quite clumsy. Yeah, with it with his height. So I think maybe if he was smaller, he would be maybe more in proportion. But I think Jacarini was possibly was actually really good. So maybe yeah, what, if he was massive, then yeah, what are you going to do with like a hundred of them? Where are you going to put them? What, uh, what, like, what yeah. are you supposed to do with them? Like, I can't just have like a farm. Or maybe I could. Have <laughs> well, yeah, just, just get a, get a bit of land by the yeah. Academy of Light and, and, just, and like, put. I put all these like I think I'd go for because for some reason in my head when I read this I assumed that like Jacker I just had in my head that Jacarini was like the size of a borrower, so like but he's not he's probably taller than me. So Lee Johnson height maybe about 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 maybe two. Yeah, he's like something like what seven eighths of a Lee Johnson. Something seven eighths of a Lee. Yeah, I I think I'd go with a hundred. Jacarini size pantillimons because they would be like, they'd, like I think they'd look like rabbits or something like that. And yeah, they like, would. Yeah, I could Maybe have like a farm. They had like long arms as well. They could yeah. like hop around on their long. Yeah, yeah, I'd and that would charge charge people like from around the area like ten pounds to come and see my Jacarini. You could farm. do it like one of those, you know, those like winter things farm. that turn out to be terrible. Like where you know where they put you could put loads of like these like. Christmas themed things uh, yeah. in the woods and you're paying like 25 quid. <laughs> uh, you could like you could you could maybe like hire out the little pantalimons to be like elves. <laughs> oh, that's, a, that's a great idea. Like a really sh- those like horrible winter wonderlands. Yeah. Or okay. They'd be they'd be just about small enough to be able to play in like sort of five like you know like, like you could hire them out for like youth football and they could be really good keeper, like pantalimon <laughs> level keeper, but he's small enough to be able to play. So you could maybe I don't know. Well, there, you, there you go, James. I hope we've uh, answered your question there. Um, and the Grim sent another one in. Oh, are there more wheels or doors in the world? Right, I'm not doing this, but I've got a better one. Right, Jim. Are there more brown bears in the world or walruses? Ooh. Yeah. Walruses. Or walry. Walruses. <laughs> walry. Um, because I reckon that Brown bears live sol- on their own. They're solitary animals, aren't they? And though they have a vast area of like North yeah. America to okay. live in, each one has like needs a large amount of territory to yeah. feed itself. Whereas walruses feed in the sea, and you see the footage of them that load like hundreds of them beached up all together. So I reckon just one. I reckon there's probably like if you look at a big colony of walruses on like a, you know an Arctic island, I reckon there's more there on that one island and you'd see brown bears in the entirety of like one Canadian territory. Well, so I'd say war, war, right. <laughs> war, right. I'm well, going with it. I've coined it. I'm going with it. <laughs> well, Jim, you are correct. Yes. There are 250,000 walruses in the world compared to 200,000 brown bears. So, oh, so it wasn't that much less. Then. So, you know, okay. no, you're not too much different. I mean, they're both, I think brown bears are kind of endangered or there's some, 
And yeah. Well, they only eat salmon, don't they? It's quite a niche, yeah. like, high-end fish to have. <laughs> the only thing yeah. you eat, especially if you have to catch it out of a river. Uh, what else we got? Uh, nothing that interesting. Right. Uh, Saturday, then. Uh, Lincoln City away. Are we going to win? Uh, yes, I think we will. It'll only be a hard for tough. Uh, ooh, I want to say well, yeah, go on. I'll say it. Well, I think one 2-0 again. 2-0. Stuart hasn't scored in a couple of games, so he's your goal. So I think he'll score because um, when they, when strikers get to the level that he's at in terms of goals scored, he you, you, you know he's not going to go that many goals games sorry before he scores again. So I think he'll score and possibly. Um, Hossu- I think Clark might score again because Clark is 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 looking better and better pretty much each game he plays. Like he is a massive, massive sort of level above most of the defenders he comes up against. So I could see him doing a similar. You know, his goal against Fleetwood where he cut inside and pinged it, McGee, sort of McGeady style. Mm-hmm. I could see him doing that again. So I'll go to two nil. Right, I think I'll um, I, I'll join you on. I think I think we will win. I think it'll be. Again, I don't think it'll be a classic, but I think we'll win uh, 1-0. And, hmm. Yeah, I think a Bailey Wright's going to score. Oh, like it. Like, yeah, um, it's all like a powering header from a couple Powering header, yeah. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's like a 1-0, one that the commentator, one that Quest will go, one for the purists, <laughs> as in an absolutely yeah. terrible game. Yeah. Where there was one goal scored, like, where one big man beat another big man in the air and headed it in. And well, it was just like... 90 minutes of that. Well, uh, let's both hope for that. Um, enjoy yeah. your trip down to Lincoln. Uh, make sure you go. Like, I've never even been to Lincoln before. Yeah. I've got a train, like four hour train to get there. So. That's hilarious. Um, make sure to go up the pub that's up um, Steep Hill. And you know why it's called Steep Hill when you get there. <laughs> uh, um, is, it really, is it a really small hill? <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to spoil the surprise for you. And, uh, Right, I think Gareth and Stephen will be back on Monday. I don't know because there's no game next week, but they might be. Um, um, we'll, me and Matt will be back whenever Matt finishes work or whenever. So, But until then, thanks for listening. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.